0: From the Willamette Valley, in America's Great Pacific Northwest, you are listening to The Ernest Mann Show. And I'm your host, Ernest Mann. No matter where you may be listening, in this great, big, beautiful world we all share. And in this beautiful, but sometimes crazy world that we all share, I hope life is treating you well, and this is episode number 165, Realism. By getting to know Realism, you get to know yourself. I wanted to tell you a bit about Realism and a bit about myself. And this could be very interesting because the more you basically get to know about this stuff, the more interesting it is. And you get to know all about me because I have had a series of comments, uh, questions, emails sent to me. And apparently, um, from what I'm able to decipher, there seems to be (coughs) a fair bit of confusion about where I stand on things. So, I just wanted to Take this opportunity to try to clarify some things. Um, I've gotten every kind of email. It runs the full gamut of between love and hate. And some people are actually, <laughs> they're kind of just exasperated, because they can't figure out where the hell I'm coming from. Um, They say that I can have a program that they love and that they totally agree with, and then in a couple of days, I'll have a program which, in their mind, is 180 degrees different than what I had said in... A previous program. And so they don't know what to think and are frustrated. And that casts doubts on my uh, genuineness, you might say. And um, so I wanted to um, clarify things, I wanted to use this opportunity um to clear the air so to speak so um just sit back and relax and enjoy what i'm about to tell you i am a long time practitioner of realism now that is a philosophy And it is very closely related to pragmatism. And I'm going to explain a very uh, simple um, example of the differences between the two shortly. But before I do that, what I am trying to... uh, say here, is I am equally baffled from these comments, these emails that I get because I guess I'm not understanding what it is on the listener's end that apparently has them so confused. um, <clears throat> Because I certainly don't want to be perceived as contradictory. Um, that's a close, you know, kiss and cousin to being crazy, and I don't believe I'm crazy. Um, I can understand people having some, you know, very strong opinions. Fine. I don't have a problem with that. But, you see, when you examine things in the light that I'm going to talk about... There is no contradiction. It only appears, um, perhaps through a misunderstanding, as though there is contradiction. But there is no contradiction. So, everything that I go through, what you might say, on this show, is through a what you might say is a realist lens. It doesn't matter what it is, um, because that's who I am, and I feel that it is such a good and positive uh, philosophy. That it would be refreshing to you guys to actually hear something that actually is, you know, different and not the same old, same old common narrative that everybody else, including yourself, if you fess up to it are sick of. (laughs) I know I sure as hell am. That's why I'm here. So on to a very brief description of realism and pragmatism um, in in the simplest way I know how to put it. Now, I'm I do not want to get deep and heavy into this because believe me, as far as the philosophy deeper aspects of this, it goes very deep and, Although I subscribe to this philosophy, I don't really consider myself a philosopher. I just use what I use in life, which I'll explain in a moment. So, bearing that in mind, in the simplest possible terms, a realist tries to look at something not through an emotional lens, and not allowing themselves uh, to be emotionally impacted, but just seeing something as it actually is. Um, if that makes any sense. A pragmatist, on the other hand, is <clears throat> pretty much the same as far as that's concerned. They approach things In that, um, you know, seeing something for what it is, truthfully. In other words, another way of saying getting down the brass tacks, but the spin that they put on it is the utility. And they look at something, they say, okay, this is what it is. Now, how can this be used to do something? So they're always looking at what is something's, and they look at it and they see what something is and they say, okay, so what is the practical application of this or how can this practically be used? And in most cases, um, even though something may, for instance, be truthful and they may agree, let's say, with the realist that, you know, given something is truthful, is, is real... But, on the other hand, they'll say, "Well, yes, that's truthful that that is, but it doesn't really have any utility. And so that's 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 the only that's where we split and part company ideologically. Now, that is in the very broadest, simplest terms. But we're very close. But a person, for instance, um it's just, you know, common common language that we use um, before, for instance, before I was a realist many years ago, um, I would say if, if we were having, having a conversation about whatever it was, and I would say this, and maybe you have said this, perhaps others have, that you know have said this, where they say, oh, well, I'm a realist. You know, if you're calculating uh, a relationship or a business arrangement or whatever it is, and a person will blurt out and they say, "Oh well, you know, I'm a re- I'm a, I'm realistic, I'm a realist," not knowing that what they're thinking that that meaning is 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 not has nothing really to do with the mindset of the people who follow the philosophy of realism. Or for that matter, didn't even know, don't know, that it is an actual philosophy. And that it has rules. And um, so, yeah. But that is, overall, where I'm coming from. On just about anything. I mean, occasionally, um, I don't... I don't really consider myself to be a comedian. Um, I would sure as hell like to be able to make people laugh. I don't know. Maybe I can, one of these broadcasts, at some point I'll be able to do something and make you laugh. I don't know, but that's, that's not really my calling, I don't think. That's not my forte. What I do, what I try to do, what this is basically about is almost, almost purposely, I say almost, um, to look at the opposite side of any given situation. And because how that helps is that we already know that we have say um, a given subject um, you know at random uh, I don't know the war in Ukraine I believe that most people at least in America uh, they pretty much have been getting given, their marching orders as far as what the narrative should be. God knows they've had that crammed down their throat 24-7 on the corporate-controlled news media. So, there's no big surprise there when you ask someone, well, you know, what do you think? And... The sad thing is, is they say what appears to be what they are thinking, but it's not their thinking. All they're doing is regurgitating what they've been told. Now, again, when you're dealing with the ego of an adult, which is different than a child, you know, because that nasty thing doesn't really pop up until especially, you know, until like after puberty, but uh, you know that's what makes kids great while they're kids, anyway. But we forgive kids because if you're asking them, whatever you're asking them, you already as the adult in the room. Um, what they don't understand, what they don't get, is that you, assuming you are the adult in the room. You already know what they're going to say, pretty much, um, as kids, you know, anywhere from, I don't know, maybe 8, 9, 10 years old-ish, still kids. Let's say, be careful here, especially before the hormones and the crazy, crazy kicks in, anything prepubescent, let's say, they're going to talk like kids because... They're kids. <laughs> and kids, um being kids, um they are simply regurgitating um their their parents' views, um, their the adults, the other, their uh their very briefness in this world on the planet, the people they've interacted with, friends, family that they've known in their you know, brief time here. Um, that's what you're you're hearing because <clears throat> not being adults, they have not they have not really formed their own opinions, which you get to, or hopefully we all are supposed to, which is past puberty, which is going through a lot of thought and introspection and The process of breaking down reality via objective analysis, which is what realism does. So, yeah, it's uh, as far as asking anything for kids is a loaded, you know, that's a loaded question. But it also with adults who have essentially been trained to remain in a perpetual state of childhood, the net effect is the same, and it's really very depressing to watch, because anyone can, you know, be interviewed, you know, some, just some news person walking around, it could be anywhere, anywhere, a park, a shopping mall, or wherever, and just at random start talking to, you know, early twenty or mid-30s people, and, you know, what do you think about the war in Ukraine? Well, I believe blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. But to me, pretty much, overall, for the most part, the sad thing is, that I'm watching adult children, um, and this is this is this is not just because <clears throat> they don't agree with me. It isn't just that, because the people who I look up to and agree with are, well. Let's just say they're not adult kids. Um, these are these are people um, far, far more in, uh, informed, probably than I ever will be on these subjects. But I respect them. and they are respected. and um, so that's where I'm coming from. And it is a uh, a very different perspective than the mass media propaganda. And the thing is now, um, when you figure out that there, what is so important about this are the implications involved. Because if you were going around, if you're some kind of uh, reporter and you work for, I don't know, CNN or whoever, MSNBC, it doesn't matter, whoever, and you're pulling out a microphone and you want the opinions of random citizens, uh, again, it's, it's, it's not what I would—it it has no meaning other than, again— Entertainment. It's just another form of taking up time and entertaining. It really, one could argue, well, you know, it's there, it doesn't matter what none of these people think is going to change anything. And even if it was going to change something, it sure as hell. Is it going to change it for the better? And they know that, and the media knows that, so they just just let them say whatever the same way that you would um, let your kids, let random kids spew out the laughable uh, things that they say that they believe. And, of course, we kind of just laugh to ourselves because... Oftentimes, it really is funny. But in the adult world, with adult things and the seriousness of life and adult things, um, you wouldn't want to be getting the consensus opinion, let's say, of children. On what should be done or not done, or anything, for instance, to do with the the war going on, uh, Zelensky's war in Ukraine, let's say. But that's essentially, you know, what's going on as far as that's concerned. But <clears throat> this goes back. To what I'm trying to describe is the difference between me and the lens that I look at things through. And then after I filter through these things, I turn around and I present things to you. And you know, I could tell you what one of the beautiful things about this is that you see there's no harm done you don't have to agree you don't have to agree matter of fact you could drop me a line at any time you could say Ernest, i think you're full of shit hey i don't care that's fine but The huge difference, again, yet another difference with this philosophy, with this way of thinking is you are very, you become very sensitive. I am extremely I I grew a pair of antennas like sticking out of my head um against um ideologically charged criticism. Whereas you want things, you want thinking to become all one-way roads and you have a thinking that is my way or the highway. And you see, that is where you, not only as a person, but the more individual people like that with that kind of thinking... This is how we end up with tyranny. So the way to avoid this is to not allow yourself to do that. The next time you want to instantly go go crazy on um, someone's you know idea, who's from a different political stripe than you are, you have to put on the brakes and say, well, let's just, there's no pain. There's no suffering in in hearing them out and what they have to say. This is what civil discourse is all about. Because here's what the secret is. This is how I view things. And this is what works for me. And I've also found that it also apparently seems to work for others really well, so I'm going to lay it on you. All of these things that I've talked about as far as seeing the other side, this does not mean capitulating. It means just hearing it out. There are really good ideas on the left. Conversely, there are really good ideas on the right. And conversely, there are stupid ideas on both. What I have learned to do is that by using my uh, yardstick of a realist point of view, is I am able to analyze different ideas and regardless of their ideology i either consort it with the wheat or the chaff it's like a huge salad bar you take what you want you can leave the rest you don't have to adopt everything about let's say a party or par- party affi- affiliation hook, line, and sinker. But piecemeal, you can look at this particular piece of, let's say, legislation, and you could say, okay, I think that's a great idea. I think it's a lukewarm idea and probably won't be very effective because, and give your reasons. and Or you could say, I think this is a, t- a totally idiotic idea and it just to me it really seems as though it's it's again being ideologically driven to support a fan base you know what what they call their their coalition or constituents let's have you so there is that but there is no there is no mystery here I take everything and I think for myself. And if something is a good idea, I don't give a damn where it comes from at all. Um I use it. That's a good idea. Yeah, that sounds good. Here's one one, for instance, one of the rules. There are quite a few, but if this helps you, um, as a, let's say a measuring tool, it would work like this. What matters if you want to have a happy, healthy society where you as a person can interact in that society? In other words, you can do your shopping, you can walk down the street, you can interact in an in an urban, let's say, environment, and you don't have to worry about violence or crime or or anything on your property. Okay? Well, it's a give and take because if you want that, then you're going to have there's going to have to be a give and take you can't simply have everything your way and screw the other party in every direction guess what you know it and i know it that's not going to work so there in anything there has to be a give and take and part of this give and take the rule is this It doesn't matter how any particular thing, law, legislation, what have you. It does not matter how it affects you. Stop thinking about you, 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 me, me, me. What matters, what should supersede any given law is how potentially that law will affect society. Will it affect society in a positive way or in a negative way? And if it can be successfully argued that it is negative for the benefit of society, then you chuck it and you get rid of it. And conversely, if it's the opposite is the case, um then that's the direction you should go unfortunately and this is just one of the small examples that i'm giving is that in conjunction with that what is beneficial right now is deemed what is the most profitable to one or just a handful of people. That's what gets the green light for laws or policies or what have you. And that doesn't work because it's anti human. It is basically psychopathic. So the rule, again, is does this positively, is this a good thing for society? And not worry about the individual. This is just a small part of it, but this is a very substantial part of the ability to analyze things like like government policies or company policies or you know, your, everything from your local laws all the way up. It's the same process. But it doesn't have to be, you know, that terribly complicated. And that's why I've said, as a realist, I've said this many times, is that this is another thing that you can easily get done, or far more easily get done, under direct democ- democracy as opposed to representative democracy, two vastly uh, different endeavors. And uh, we have been suffering the failure and the multiple failures, the big time failures that are getting bigger and bigger as um, time moves on here with the representative democracy because, and for a whole multitude of reasons, many, many multitude of reasons for this, but as I have said before, because the representatives are, quote-unquote, mainly representing themselves. Meaning corruption. Again, meaning whatever lobbyist... Um, is able to shove enough money into their back pocket, and they give them a hug and a kiss on the cheek. That's what flies, and you can't, you can't have any kind of real, sustainable, effective government that way. See, all of this, all of this, though, is under the scrutiny of a analysis that is um, through realism. This is not this is not my creation. I am the one that just <clears throat> found the data book and I'm saying okay, well this is a book that describes this particular system and how it works and here are the laws of that system and uh, to fix it, this is what you need to do. Much like a mechanic has uh, or they used to um, had books on the engine and specifications for your car's motor or perhaps its electrical system or any other any of the other subsystems of an automobile, they have a blueprint. They have a Bible. They have a book. They have an instruction manual for the uh, the text. And oftentimes, uh, especially with technology, then they use words and nomenclature that the average person is not familiar with. So that's why they are a specialist and you know they could figure these things out but it can be done but it it cannot be done in the presence of just a staunch ideological mindset in combination with grift with people who are on the take to the highest bidder and and that's their Real reason for being in office. And I hate to say this, but, you know, if you call them bums, years ago they used to say, throw the bums out, and I would tend to agree. Well, if that's the case, hell of a lot of uh, people in D.C. on both sides of the aisle are bums, and we not only need to throw them out. We need to fire them. But we might also, before firing them, um, we have to tap them and get them to at least return all of the stolen money and property um, unless they want to go to prison. Yeah, so there's that. Anyway, again, I thank you for tuning in this Friday. I hope that that was a bit uh informative and um now maybe you'll have uh less angry emails to send me <laughs> i hope so i have to admit i gotta i gotta tell you this though uh you know i'm you know being an ex uh, navy person i mean i just uh i've been around some pretty creative cursing but uh Some of you guys, you know, you can definitely, I'll tell you, you can definitely hold your own. God bless you. (laughs) Wow. Well, what did you think about that? I'd really like to hear what you have to say. So go on over to my website, theearnestmanshow.com. And put down your two cents worth. And while you're there, please feel free to listen to any and all the episodes you like. Plus check out the other interesting things on my website. Until next time, this is Ernest saying take care. I'm out of here.